3: what is up my friends Uh, hope you're all out there enjoying your week we appreciate y'all for joining us this is the mma fighting Rankings show you already know i am sean ashadi and we got the whole gang here the mind behind the mma fighting rankings panel the iron fist really at the helm of this whole organization the prince positivity as well he is alexander k lee also joined by two of our best pals stars of the podcast network you know them, mike heck jed mishu how we doing fellas
2: Welcome to the sugar show, Shaheen. Welcome to the Sugar wow. Show. Wow. That's good.
4: I mean, feels like we're gonna get a lot of mileage out of that intro over the next uh, three months.
5: Just clip that. <laughs> clip that as our and put that at the beginning of the show from now on.
4: Uh we don't we don't need that kind of stuff, AK. Over under a hundred
3: Welcome to the Sugar Show leads that have been written as the first sentence of O'Malley articles in the last like three days. Cause I've definitely done one.
4: I would say I would mock this, but I absolutely titled one of them. One of my things. Set, so.
5: I'll take uh, I'll
3: take low
4: hanging fruit is the most ripe.
5: I'll take it's welcome the to delicious. the sugar show over uh, so-and-so has that dog in them any day of the week. So if this is the new so, you know, if I have to hear this more than so-and-so has that dog in them, I welcome it.
4: I mean, fortunately for AK, I think the sugar show is going to be a lot less long lived than having that dog in them. So uh probably be okay with this
3: am i stepping on topics early no not really i mean that's assuming we get all sorts of title defenses coming i think that we're about to hit a very weird era for bantamweight but we could get into that uh first though fellas i have to admit something to you um for the good of the sport this might have to be my very last podcast ever oh my wow oh good it just might have to be you see it's vacation season uh ak you just went to japan Ariel's out Mm -hmm. there gallivanting all around the world who even knows where that man is right now and i just came back from a week in tahoe uh celebrating my one-year-old baby boy's birthday for the first time it was a great time we went on a boat for the first time he caught his first fish he got so damn sugar hide crazy hard with his watermelon catch a fish dude we caught 28 fish on this boat
4: yeah how how many did case catch he's
3: one. He, my wife had him like strapped to the front and he was like doing the reeling, you know, he was like getting a yeah, kick out of that him. counts. Don't take counts. this away from my boy. How dare you Jit?
4: That that counts. I, I am not confident that counts. <laughs> he went on his first boat ride and that is excellent for him. He did a great job. He didn't get sick. Gene. Why, why is this
5: affecting, why is this affecting your potential podcast schedule? I don't understand.
3: So I say all this AK to say that I've only yes. missed three pay-per-views over the last like, a lot of years. I've been in this a while. Two of them were last year around the birth of, of my son. Uh, and those happened to be Edward Zeusman and Izzy Pereira 1. And now this past Saturday, I miss another very crazy event. You know what, fellas? It feels like crazy shit just tends to happen when I'm gone. So I think for the good of everyone here, I might just have to leave MMA forever so y'all can get these incredible results every time.
4: <laughs> I don't think you have to leave MMA forever. I think, and correct me, you know, panel, If if I think what I'm hearing is, you should skip out on the pay-per-views, but you should always be working the Singapores and the Apex cards in particular. I think you should have to work every Apex card, but the pay-per-views you can skip out on. Those we'll handle those.
5: Uh, he won't be skipping this weekend. Uh, Parker Porter is fighting, so before right. Shaheen, you say anything drastic about not covering certain events. Parker Porter is fighting on Saturday.
4: That's very true. I okay, mean, I, I couldn't miss that for the world. What do you think? I'm. What do you think? I'm on this pod for. <laughs> <laughs> to 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 pivot the conversation to heavyweight combat in singapore at 6 a.m you know what jet i think i could i accept your your proposal though
3: the apex cards i'll work those if that means i get to lay back drink a little bit enjoy my time on the pay-per-views it's
4: kind of nice deal look i'll never work another apex event you can have all my apex cards i'll work all the pay-per-views i love this trade
2: yeah if if the pay-per-views that you miss are really bad the apex cards that you missed were even worse, so it can only help <laughs> that you come back and work the apex cards.
5: I'm still super sad that while I was in Japan, I missed the crowning of the new bantamweight champion, Myer Bueno Silva. So I am super upset about <laughs> that. So that you, win might get vacated, particularly
4: particularly because Myer Bueno Silva, uh, you know, awkward spot now. She has
5: it's uh, she has a condition. It's a very serious condition. This will all get cleared up. We're not changing. uh, Rankings unaffected. It's all very awkward
3: because at some point this week, there's going to be an article that comes out where she'll be our number one bantamweight, and I'm not even sure if that win's
4: legitimate anymore. We'll see. I want to be clear. It's extremely legitimate. If I could have ranked her higher after this news broke, (laughs) I would have. I already had her at one, so...
5: There's always women's pound for pound. You can always fire her up there if you want.
4: (laughs) Don't tempt me with a good time, AK.
3: (laughs) But let's get into it, fellas, because we already said, I mean, incredible performance this weekend from Sean O'Malley. The man, say what you want about him. Defied the odds, defied the pundits. I think defied the expectations of almost everyone who does this for a living. I did not see many people out there picking Sean O'Malley to win this fight. And he gets it done with one of the most beautiful sequences you'll ever see right like it's been said a bunch of times already it was very McGregor Aldo-esque that right hand we're gonna be seeing that on highlight reels for the rest of our lives and wouldn't you know it this is all real now like Sean O'Malley is our new bantamweight champion he's your new unanimous number one bantamweight on the MMA fighting global rankings Uh, also debuts at number eight on the pound for pound list since Sterling toppling down to 14 before we dive into all of it, we're like a few days out now. We've had time to unpack it; it's still settling in. But is this is this weird to you guys? It feels surreal at all.
2: Not to me. I mean, I picked Aljamain Sterling. I was pretty confident in that pick. But as I said, while I was in Boston all week and like any of the shows that I did, everything on paper screamed that Aljamain Sterling was going to win the fight. But there were vibes in the air, not just you know amongst the MMA community, but in Boston in particular. There were vibes everywhere that on this day in that building against that guy, Sean O'Malley was going to win the title. It just felt like it was inevitable, despite what the stylistic matchup looked like, despite it being an absolute nightmare for Sean O'Malley on paper, no matter how you slice it. But it just felt like everybody believed it was going to happen. Like even the people I talked to on Friday, like fans all over the place coming up to me, asking me who was going to win the fight. And I said the same thing to them. Like everything tells me Aljamain Sterling should just run him over, but the you can't deny vibes and you can't deny inevitability. And Sean O'Malley kept saying the word destiny, she kept saying the word destiny all week long. This is meant to be that on August 19th in Boston, I'm going to win the title. And so I'll, I'm not really surprised, honestly, because of the vibes that I felt all week long in Boston. It was just, it was the sugar show the whole time. Every, he The man from Montana is like the adopted Massachusetts son. It was absolutely insane. It was like Larry Bird was walking into the octagon to fight Al Sterling. It was incredible. So no, it's not surreal. It's It was kind of meant to be. And there was like a third of me that felt that this was the result that was going to happen on Saturday. And lo and behold, it did in, in incredible fashion.
3: I, I'm glad you say that because you're right. The vibes, I wasn't in Boston, so I didn't get a sense of it. I was completely tuned out. I was on vacation. But like watching the pay-per-view, I feel like there are guys in this sport, in combat sports in general, and really in all sports, but in particular combat sports, this sticks out of like people who just have a sense of the moment, right? Like people who really understand the moment and people who it just feels different when they're approaching a moment. I think Izzy's a guy like this, right? With the walkouts and just the spectacle that he's able to create. The moment I knew something felt different was when Sean walked out to that loopy fiasco song. And you just hear the lyrics and all of it just felt so perfect. For the moment, right? Like, like it just again the sense of the moment. It felt like he had exact, like an exact, acute sense of what the fuck was about to go on, and just the sense of the moment was spectacular. And at that point on, I was just like, man, I, I don't, I, I picked Aljo I've always thought Aljo was going to win this fight, but th- you're right. The vibes were just weird. The vibes very much just felt like this is about to be a Conor
4: Aldo type of moment, dude. That's why I said it for like a week beforehand. That um, the whole thing built towards that. Um, and then the aftermath is just like even wilder when it's like, actually Sean O'Malley couldn't move. <laughs> he didn't train he for did like it. a month beforehand. Like, is there a sadder person right now than Aljamain Sterling looking back being like, man, maybe I really should have tried to just tackle this dude, uh, particularly early. Cause like even afterwards you hear Sean say, yeah, man, like I was nervous for this fight. Like I'm never nervous. And I was nervous. Cause like, this was a big thing. And, then I settled in and it was fine, but then I was still nervous to, like, if if I wrestled, I was dead, and then he just, it never happened. He didn't really shoot a bunch, and then there we were. It's just like, man, Aljo, way to punt that one, huh? <laughs> hey, what a, what yeah, a tough wild, scene man. for you, I- kid.
5: I, I like I don't know if 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 it would have been as easy as saying just tackle him and except for the fact that Sterling himself said after he regretted trying to make the fight exciting, I don't remember the exact quote, but there's a i I'm not saying he was you know from what we saw it looked like he didn't he didn't make any like great effort to go for a takedown, and his comments only corroborate that because uh I mean there should have been some something in there like some I don't know if we saw him fainting. Um, he's definitely improved a lot as a striker, you know, since we first saw him, in the UFC. So I, I understand the urge, but it was a little frustrating, um, to see him not go all out and try to implement his, his number one strength, um, regarding the vibes thing. There's like a couple of things I want to say about O'Malley. He does have that calmness to him. I would love if, if there was some way, if they had some sort of like, you know, bio, like a, just an Apple watch on him or something where we could have seen his heart rate, it looked like it didn't move a bit as he made his entrance as he went to the ring. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Maybe he's just, he's really good at hiding it kind of keeping his composure on the outside, but it feels like he's the kind of guy, the kind of high level athlete that does not feel that pressure in that moment. They, they, when they, they, they say what they, what they mean, um, in the lead up, like, yeah, when the time comes, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not gonna be intimidated by what's happening. And it seems very, 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 very true with him. And as far as his, like, living up to his destiny, I know we're going to talk about this a bit more, but I want to go sort of the other side of fighters who didn't, because he, he could have gone this way. Guys like Darren Till, the the, the best examples I come up with in the lead up to the fight, I did a little article of guys who had this, not destiny, but certainly were pushed pretty hard towards the title, and you felt like when Fight Night came around, like this was going to be their moment. Darren Till was up there for sure. Francis Ngannou, I don't know if you'll remember, the first time around, it really felt like the UFC was... You know, before the bad blood came in between them, they were anointing him before he had even beaten Stipe. They were ready to see him run over Stipe. Of course, he lost in the first attempt. Same with Henry Cejudo, who later became champion. But there was a lot of hype between Henry going to the Demetrius Johnson fight. I don't know if he was expected to beat Mighty Mouse, but from the moment that Cejudo kind of entered the MMA realm, there was the thought he would one day fight for the title and become a UFC champion. So those those are the examples I can think of. And uh, O'Malley could have gone that way, but um, he didn't. He went the other way it lived up some... Uh, some pretty massive names, if you want, if you want to compare them, uh, if compare him to them.
3: Yeah, and I think that just comes back to again the vibes. There's just such, there are certain figures within this game that the vibes are just so strong. So I want to I want to explore that a bit because it's not common that we see something like this, right? Like I think that's one of the things that was so special about this past weekend. We've seen it before. Connor's obviously the biggest example of a guy who is so hyped, a guy who is so pushed, a guy who is almost predestined to do this thing, who sells you on it so hard during his journey and yet all the doubters all the people don't expect him to actually do it and then he goes out there and performs spectacularly and it actually all just comes to fruition when you look back on the history of just the UFC in particular what would you say like where does Sean rank on sort of these hype trains who actually panned out because if you look at the list like it's actually a surprisingly short list right like you mentioned Francis aka that took two tries I don't even know if that counts I think Izzy was was probably in this boat, but that also didn't feel surprising in a weird way. Like right, like the escalation was right for him, and just the dominance. Maybe it surprised some people, but he was putting it out there for a while. Alex Pereira, I think you could throw right in that boat as well. But again, he had the backstory, so like some of it made some type, type of sense. Even if you want to go further back, I think BJ Penn, but he felt inevitable. Like he, it's not the it's it's not the same. Same with GSP. Also
4: took two tries. Well, three yeah. tries. Shit.
3: B.J. took a couple ties. G.S.P. took a couple tries. Really, there aren't a lot of names that you can compare this to in the Conor O'Malley type of just meteoric rise and almost like jumping levels. Right. Because like Conor fought Mendez. But before that, he wasn't really fighting like I guess Poirier and Holloway. But those were like young Poirier mm-hmm. and young Holloway. Like he wasn't fighting the murderers at 45 and same with O'Malley. Right. Like he fought Jan. But Outside of that, he, I don't know that he was really fighting the murderers of this division. He kind of avoided a lot of those guys. When you look back at sort of the hype career paths,
4: are remarkably similar.
5: And the criticisms, also the criticisms against the people, why people like counted them out in their fights. He's just, yeah,
4: he's not the same fighter Connor is, Mm -hmm. but he is, he's playing the hits. Like he is, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Yeah, perfect. That's perfectly said. He he sees the playbook and he's following it to a
3: T. So when you look at the history of these hype trains who actually surprised everybody by painting out. Where would you put Al Malley? We were like if you had your top three of these hype trains that worked out, is he in there?
4: It's an interesting question that I I spent like when you gave us these topics, I spent a while trying to figure out my thoughts on it. And I don't really know the answer because like it sort of feels like the correct answer for the number one here is Connor, right? Had all this massive amount of hype, clearly elevated himself. But in a very real sense, did Conor McGregor work out as a fighter? He worked out as a prize fighter, yes, and he had success at fighting. But by a lot of metrics, he has. If you if you separated Conor McGregor from his stardom, is he a fighter that we care about in any substantive manner historically? But this is talking after. He's sort though. of an after. This is well, talking but, aftermath,
5: because we don't know that, what's going to happen with O'Malley. That,
4: that's that's where I'm going with the O'Malley thing is it's hard for me to rank him in this sort of conversation because it is so fresh and so new. And I know that at the minimum, he has etched his name as a champion. And that is what that is always and forever. And so that is important and sufficient. But like, I don't know really how to couch this. Right. Like, because I'm not entirely sure that I think Connor is like the hype train who worked out, so much as he he had a moment of success that was great. But do you guys get what I'm saying here?
3: I get, what, I get what you're saying, but I would argue, I would push back on it that I think there are two elements to sort of Connor's prime, if you will, or like accomplishments that would push him into that stratosphere, one of which is 13 seconds, which is iconic, regardless of whether... We like it or not like that's just one of no, the most is. impressive results in the history of combat sports to do that to jose aldo and then the the two division thing right like becoming a concurrent two division champion beating the legitimate eddie alvarez to do it like i think those two elements would push connor into like we saw what it became and it wasn't that great but like just that period alone like that's that's incredible right like that alone is a hall of fame career for somebody.
4: Probably is. I, I think my, where I'm coming from, though, is like, I think the way this is presented, the answers are probably supposed to be like, yeah, Connor, Sean O'Malley sort of in that uh, conversation and finding like a third who really fits the same mold. Izzy probably feels like the best answer. I came up with Brock. To me, Brock felt like sort of similar.
5: Yeah, I'm surprised you're not okay, – Brock. Brock Lesnar's not jumping to mind. He's a, he's definitely a different case than literally anyone else in MMA history, but uh, he fits sort of that hype, that newcomer yeah, question. Maybe newcomer how maybe fast it happened too, right? Like,
4: the yes, the speed, yeah, yeah. the speed of it. Uh, to me, like, I don't know. I – and maybe I'm just being a homer or an elitist snob, but it's just like, I don't know. Like, I thought Jose Aldo was going to be dope when I first saw him in WBC. I was like, man, that kid's going to rule – and then he actually like even surpassed my expectations of how incredible he could be. And so I would be like that kind of fighter feels more along the lines of what I would want to, to ascribe to this sort of a ranking system than I think what we're shooting for because it's, it's a cop out. I don't have any idea where O'Malley's going to go from here. Like there is every world where the, the him surprising us is he rolled high twice. He got a decision he probably shouldn't have against Piotrion. and then he spiked Aljo and I look, you can't take that away from absolutely spiked Aljo in the same way that Connor spiked Aldo. But if the next five years of his career, him getting dummied by the other bantamweights and who, you know, whatever else happens, he's a success, but it's, if it doesn't feel all the way genuine to call him a success in the terms of, of fighting, he is certainly a success in terms of prize fighting.
5: See, I, I don't agree with, because again, I, I'm just, I can't focus on the aftermath too much. I understand the perspective that you're coming from, but just gauging, again, because I was looking, when I was doing the research for this, a lot of fighters, unfortunately, who completed that ascent from, uh, you know, contender to champion within four or five fights. I mean, O'Malley's journey was a bit longer. Um, A lot of them couldn't live up to it, right? Cody Garbrandt's probably the biggest example, just felt, immediately off a cliff probably dumb matchmaking after making a fight tj twice i'm not entirely sure why they did that um brock yeah he won the he did defend it once heavyweight though it's kind of the nature of heavyweight it's a very fickle division it's hard to hold on to the title he was already up there in age he had a lot of wear and tear from pro wrestling you almost can't he's such a unique case like I, i do find comparisons there but he's such a unique case holly holm i mean she's had a long successful career since but it really Feels like it's still peaked with Rousey, and she's come nowhere close. I would say to like matching that success. So, so a lot of these fighters fall off a cliff after. It's it's kind of funny, um unless you want to count that's to be, expected, yeah. Unless though. you want to count Anderson Silva, but let well, the thing, Anderson's probably when you're closer. talking about
4: Anderson. Anderson had like a a wide depth of ability and career to draw from. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. and that's sort of the thing I'm getting to. Is this list strictly a who are the guys who are high rolling? Well, the,
5: the tricky thing with Anderson is if you go just by UFC thing, you know, he had the one UFC fight and you remember he won a poll as the story goes. I can, I couldn't find the poll. I was trying to find an archive of the poll, but the way they always tell the story is after he beat Chris Lieben, they had a poll on like UFC.com or once upon a time, I'm surprised I couldn't find it to say who, you know, to ask who should be Rich Franklin's next opponent. And, and Anderson was voted in. Uh, you'll never see that again. So that that's why he kind of fits in this. He's kind of has that weird category, but for sure he has such a long career before the UFC that, um, he doesn't compare to O'Malley in that way at all
2: the way the way yeah. I viewed this question was you know the vibes and the, the shock of the title win all yeah. in all like combined yeah. with the vibes so to me it was Sean O'Malley's number two it's Connor number one Sean O'Malley's number two and I actually think Cody Garbrandt's number three because mm. he went in there in that Dominic Cruz fight I remember breaking that one down and I thought well Cody might catch him but other than that, Dominic's just going to kind of dance around him and win a 49-46. Like, this is just what's about to happen here. But Cody ended up putting on a master class against Dominic Cruz. And now Sean is kind of in the same position as Cody was where he has a fork in the road to take. He can either go the route that Cody probably should have taken and go the prize-fighting route, which, I mean, you could somewhat argue that TJ Dillashaw at the time was, like, the biggest fight he could get. I think the that's risk, definitely true. Yeah. But also, the risk-reward factor isn't necessarily there like it is for Sean O'Malley to fight a Achito Vera right now because he could go and just rematch Aljo, and, it, and it's got to be a big fight, but he's just not going to do that because why would he? You know what I mean? He's, he's never going to do it better, and why put yourself through that risk no matter how big the fight is just to lose to the guy? It's
3: the same reason we never saw Conor Aldo too.
2: Yeah, exactly. He's never going to do it better. So go make the money, man. Go get the biggest fight you can get. Him and Cheeto is the biggest fight you can make in the history of this division. It's going to do bonkers on pay-per-view. It's going to be bigger than any Aljo rematch. This Aljo fight, Chandra, welcome to the prize-fighting world. Like This is what it's going to be. And the biggest losers on Saturday, the biggest loser of all was Barab DeWalishvili. Really. He is 100%. in a heap of trouble. Even though there's a really intelligent storyline here, much like Cody versus TJ, Unless like the UFC comes up with Buko dollars or Mirab Devalish really like just absolutely murders Henry Cejudo in the most impressive way where it gets Sean's attention, I don't feel like Mirab's ever getting a title shot as long as Sean O'Malley's the champion. So. It's a, it's just a weird time in this division. Things are gonna get super weird at
4: one thirty-five. This division's about to suck. This division's Especially about to <laughs> be real weird, man. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's gonna, gonna suck. Weird. I, I said didn't want to
5: say it, but just tell like it is, Jed. Tell. Like I
4: it said is. it on the post show immediately, and I was like, and I, I stand by this. Like, mm. I think it's dope that Sean O'Malley won. I think that that is very cool and an interesting development. Um, and maybe better than Aljo winning and then bailing on the division. But the, there I wrote this this week. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction, man. And Isaac Newton's here to tell you that the last time somebody high rolled their way to a title real fast and got real popular, they effed up the best division in the sport for three years afterwards. Connor, you can, there is a direct line between light, the lightweight division and how it has become a division populated by the same names and faces at the top of it. And people squatting on rankings for years on end. That is traced back to Connor winning the belt, bailing on the division, and making everything wonky. We are very likely about to have the exact same thing happen to the second best division in MMA. And that kind of sucks if you're like very much into the meritocracy of it all. But, you know, it is what it is. I think, Mike, going
3: back to your... List because Ed Jen, I agree with you. I mean, this division's about to get really, really weird unless Cheeto can maybe come in here and, and do something and surprise some people, which is very. Valid. I actually think there's a
4: really good yeah. chance that he can do that too.
2: That is a very. They're going to run it back a third time. Is it, if it's O two, you think they do it? If it's O two,
4: yes, yeah, because he's not O two. Sugar it's, State Athletic it's Commission, either O one or one one, <laughs> depending on. Which Sean O'Malley fan you were talking There's, to? There's yeah.
5: one no contest as far as Sean O'Malley is concerned <laughs> so far. Yeah.
4: I don't know. I think he's been saying he won the fight as well. So he says that about
5: no Munoz. He, varies, you know? he he varies. The Munoz one, he always says he won. The Vera one somebody says he either won it or somebody says, Oh, I don't we don't even consider that a fight or something like that. Yeah.
3: It's a great gimmick. Mm-hmm. It's a great gimmick if, if
5: you can. I appreciate the Chelsea on a on himself, right? Taken him from the best, right?
3: But Mike, I, I do think the Garbrandt shout-out is probably one of, I think that's maybe one of the closest ones we can find to this because you look at Cody and his run, like, who's the best guy he beat before he fought Dominic? What, like, Tageo Mizugaki. Ameda.
5: Thomas oh, Akita. Uh, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> like, it, 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 he, he was the same type of thing. Like, at least Sean had the Yan win, which was somewhat contra- controversial, but like, mm-hmm. Cody didn't even have something to, to that degree. So, this is yeah. just so rare. It's just so rare to see something like this actually play out. I think that's one of the reasons this was just felt so. Again, seeing that man in the cage with the belt wrapped around his waist, just holding his arms aloft, like just looks so weird in the moment.
5: Cause you just, through all this, you don't see that actually happening in the way that it does. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't as weird for me though. I, I and as someone who wholeheartedly picked Aljamain to win the fight. By the way, people can go to see my uh, my prediction before. I was like, I was like, you know, it's just not possible. Not possible for Sean O'Malley to stop the grappling. Feel very comfortable picking Aljo. It wasn't what I don't even think I used the word puncher's chance. I think I didn't bother. I'm like, people know that that's you know going to be the storyline going in for O'Malley. Oh, can he land? Can he land the big shot? Can he land the big shot? And I was like, he's probably not going to land the big shot. We saw him get taken down by Jan. You know, we saw me not a great not a great wrestler uh so i but even when it finally happened i kind of just had a this is mma feeling i had a again because i I'd, I'd, I'd sorted these these names those big names we all these names we've discussed into like two sort of sides in my mind it was just a matter of me for me of shifting him to one of those sides so he shifts into right now into that uh, i guess garbrandt mcgregor brock lesnar holly Holm side um you know how where this goes after his tbd but it felt I don't want to say it felt right. I want to say it felt right. But the part of me that does like to see change, that likes to see exciting things happen in the UFC, and yes, for better or for worse, whether you like someone or not, that likes to see people complete that arc from, uh, from prospect to contender to star to superstar, it's kind of fun to see. And MMA is supposed to be fun. MMA is supposed to be fun. So I don't know, again, for people out there, if you're a fan of O'Malley or not, but it is it is fun to see people complete that journey, um, and I, I I had fun I had fun seeing it happen, and I got a lot of respect for Aljamain Sterling as a fighter too. But yeah. it was uh, it was yeah. definitely entertaining to see it go down the way it did.
3: And respect to Aljo for the way he's handled this man. Like I mm-hmm. like Jed said to, to open us up, like I can't imagine what that man is feeling right now. He even tweeted something to the effect of like this is a, a terrible nightmare or like a terrible dream as he's watching sort of the celebratory revelation that's going on last few
5: days. They, just they both described it as a dream. That's what's so weird is O'Malley also, descri- I mean, of course you would describe his dream, but both not in terms of just like, Oh, how good, like and how good it felt or how terrible it felt, but like, in how surreal. Cause O'Malley yeah. was like, is like, oh, the perfect scenario in my mind dreaming would have been he never gets close to taking me down and I knock him out. But like, you know, I don't I don't actually think that's going to happen. That's just what I what I like, you know, I visualize. <laughs> how
4: Jermaine Sterling would fight <laughs> yeah, back and not-, not just dive headlong <laughs> he into
5: my best punch. He didn't quite say that. But yes, it's amazing. They both viewed it as a surreal moment. Like they both can't believe how it played out. You're, yeah. Um, Sterling certainly would imagine himself not getting takedown and getting just knocked out cold. And O'Malley can imagine, like, wow, just a stand-up affair and I win? Like, this is incredible. So that that is how bizarre this, this whole moment was.
2: Hearing Ray Longo talk about it is super interesting because yes, had Aljo not darted in, had Aljo not darted in with that punch and hit, have this need to make the fight exciting because he cared what the crowd had to think, but yet still being frustrated about O'Malley bouncing around the cage wall, yet not giving Aljo any kind of, Target to shoot for is super interesting because if Aljo just listened to the corner, because all they told him heading into the second round was like, "All right, do that, but be like a little more kick heavy." And the way Ray Longo saw was like, "This is going to be Izzy versus Yoel Romero the whole
4: until Sean got
2: until Sean got frustrated and darted in and tried to do something crazy. Then you could start to shoot, but Aljo was just like, "Nah, I'm going to take my shot here and just go for broke," which is so unlike him. You know what I mean? Just yes. like that moment, him making the rare mistake of, well, it, caring what the crowd had to say and like, oh, I don't want the crowd to boo. Like, that is so unlike Algernon Sterling. But again, the vibes and destiny, like all it's that, we just got to him, man. It's the crazy. vibes,
3: the emotions, the stakes, all of it. It's the same thing with Jose Aldo, right? Like Jose Aldo doesn't fight it was. like he fought at 194. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't. And then we saw it. It's the, It's when there's at so much in built show- into something like a lead up like that.
4: In Jose's defense, one, Connor was the most obnoxious person alive, and so I understand really wanting to hit him. And two, he at least hid his diving in behind a camera, well, behind a lead shot. He didn't just be like, yo, here's my chin. Would you like to yeah. hit it?
5: That's, that's, you're right. That's a good point, though. I mean, we can say McGregor like really got into his head. The taking the belt thing was just obviously a classic moment
4: that and i do think it's the stakes too sure okay because like, I, I don't do recall that, moment,
5: that 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 big moment yeah the,
4: the the pressure of it a is. world outside of the mma bubble knowing that this is happening
5: that's what it was sterling has said many times that he does pay attention to like online chatter he's been on the ma hour and the, i'm and glad and the he
4: says that because yeah. he's very obviously yes yeah. yeah. so well ariel <laughs>
5: asked him like do you care about this he's like of course i do it but he's like oh i'm having fun with it i notice i don't I'm mind sure. playing around with the trolls every now and then and it's like I think because I don't remember O'Malley saying anything particularly inflammatory before the fight to get into his head. I just played it cool. I think, it was, I think Sterling got into his own head, like yeah. you said, from all the chatter, because he dude, does O'Malley pay attention to so much of that stuff.
2: Yeah. He O'Malley big upped him. Yeah. 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 He put O'Malley over pumped the him up entire week. Yeah. You're the, best, the you're best of all week. time. Yeah. You're yep. the best of all time. And yep. Aljo didn't. Aljo did not do <laughs> yeah. that. He said, I'm going to run this dude over. He's a yeah, decent yeah. striker, but I'm going to take him down. I'm going to choke him. And Sean just played it so well. And another huge factor in this fight is, Aljamain, and you mentioned the pressure and the stakes. Aljo had all of it. 100% of the pressure and the stakes were on him. Sean was playing with with as much house money as you can get for your first title fight. He loses that fight. Who gives a shit? He (laughs) wins one more and he's right back in there. Like this... Especially with the injury. Especially with the injury excuse. Would have been a tough week for him. But other than that, he would have been right back in there. He could have fought anybody. They could have thrown him in there with like Rob Fawn or something. He beats Rob Fawn. He's getting a title shot next. Like everything was on the line for Aljamain Sterling. There was very little pressure on Sean O'Malley. And you could hear it in some of the stuff that was like clipped out of podcasts and everything. Like, oh, if he chokes me, like, oh, well, like he's probably going to choke me. Like he just expected that to happen. So this whole thing is insane. It it shouldn't be (laughs) happening. We shouldn't even be talking about this right now, but we are. And for all those people, it's kind of going back to what Jeb was saying. Who was like, you know, Sean O'Malley winning is the much more interesting and, and more fun thing that can happen here. I think a lot of those people are getting a, a sense of where this division is going to go and the reality of it all. Because if Aljo won and vacated, <laughs> like this is a whole new division with all mm-hmm. different names. Meritocracy is still there. But now that Sean's here, she's Louise, man. It's going to be dog? insane. We're and Corey
3: or not yeah. touching a title shot anytime soon.
2: Corey might get a shot before Marab. Like I actually think this worked out for him. The injury came at like the best time for him. As long as he stays somewhat relevant and says interesting things, which he did during the fight week at his little media day scrum, he might be okay. I think Sean might be interested in fighting him at some point, but Marab and the Umar Nurmagomedovs of the world, I feel like they're stone cold out of the title picture, at least in the Sean O'Malley world.
3: Well, so let's, let's get into that, because the last two things I want to hit on this fight before we move on, just sort of looking ahead for both these guys. I think we can all agree. We've said it. The Sean O'Malley era is going to be very weird. Just in terms from a meritocracy standpoint, from what we're going to see from the pecking order title fights, this Javante Davis thing is not going to go away with every win. This is just going to be louder and louder and louder because again, this is the playbook. He is following the playbook. The man knows what he's doing. He's wealthier than like 99% of UFC fighters already. And there's a reason for it. If you saw the merch drops, like the dude understands the fight game on that on that type of level. Aljo, we saw. I mean, he was a record breaking champion, longest win streak in UFC bantamweight history, most wins in the division's history, most consecutive title defenses in the in the the division's history. He had three coming into this one. What does this title reign look like for Sean O'Malley? If you if I gave you over under, one point five title defenses, so he wins his next two fights, regardless of who they're against. You going over or under? Because this bantamweight division is loaded.
2: Jed, I want you to go first because I think I'm going <laughs> oh, okay. to be totally different. Than I was also going to let go uh, Jed go first.
4: First, I'd just like to say, can we stop with the Javonta Davis? Can at least be interesting. You got to do a new gag. Be like Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, you need the courts of Wendelman. That's where you go. Like, do something else. Like, You can't keep playing the same hits that others have come before you. You got to mix it up in some other 1v1 contest that you're also going to get freaking smashed in. So it'd be fine. Um, yeah. I'm going to go under, I'm going to go, I would go under, under half a title defense. Oh, uh, I think Cheeto's going to beat him. Um, and I say this, I'm sure that the, the ghosts listening to this will react and say, that hater Sean O'Malley. I hate her I want to be clear. I picked him to beat Aljamain Sterling. I've actually been relatively high on Sean O'Malley as a talent relative to the peer, like my peers or whatever. Um, because I think he has a lot of ability and is, is certainly not a bad fighter. Uh, I think Aljamain Sterling should be the worst style matchup for Sean O'Malley in the division because of his strengths. Uh, but you know, sometimes you roll high, sometimes Aljo doesn't fight to the best (laughs) of his game plans. And, you know, we end up where we got, I would still pick probably Aljo to win a rematch, but It's fine. I think Cheeto is the other end of the bad matchup spectrum for him because Sean, I mean, one, we saw them fight before and whatever Sean wants to say, Cheeto won that fight and was winning that fight. Uh, Over five rounds, it just seems like a really, really tough ask for O'Malley. Uh, He can win it. He obviously has a lot of talent, but the way Cheeto fights building round over round, the way his offense is... Both a scoring offense, um, but his his game is largely predicated on getting finishes and his own durability just really matches up well against Sean O'Malley, who mostly wants to knock you out. And he's not quite the glass cannon Connor is, but against Cheeto, eventually that fight is going to come down to they are trading shots. And I'm I am dead certain that Cheeto can get hit full full force by Sean O'Malley and be a okay. And I am also pretty certain that if Cheeto puts the mitts on him Sean O'Malley who I have seen get knocked cold by a Cheeto elbow on the ground and get severely hurt by Piotr Jan is is not in a good way so I think a five-round fight against Cheeto you O'Malley's not gonna Corey Sand taking him he is going to try and do the striking thing and I think that that's probably pretty bad for him over 25 minutes so I, I think he is going to lose to cheeto in his first out of defense that's that's where I'm officially at right now. I mean the durability is a good call.
3: There are a few men in the sport who can take two hundred punches over the course of twenty
4: five minutes and look like he didn't get hit whatsoever in the fight. It's very bizarre with Dude, that men. there are a lot of things like there's so many things you can talk about in breakdown down fights, but for some fights like it like at a core, this game is Can you hurt the other dude more than he can hurt you? And if you can't be hurt by God nor man, that's (laughs) such a massive advantage to your ability to fist fight some dude. And so the way you then beat Cheeto is you have to outpoint him and, and wrestle him and take him away from his scoring opportunities. That's not what Sean's game is. Sean's game is I would like to hurt you more than you hurt me, but Cheeto can not get hurt. So I don't know (laughs) how that works for him, man. This is a tough out.
3: Mike, what do you think? Jets going under.
2: I'm going over. I'm going over. I think Sean's going to find a way to get that win. I don't think it's going to be like a clear-cut win. I think we might be taking a trip to Splitty City. There might be a little bit of controversy, and then Sean knows how to play that game so, so well, and he's got enough people that back him that'll be like, what are you talking about? He, he, he won 49-46. What fight were you watching? And Sean will still come out of it in a whole different way. And then we get to the second title defense. And this is where things are going to get real weird, my friends, because I I, I do host a matchmaking show. Great and show. And I kind of feel that this is the direction we're going to go. I kind of feel like this is the direction we're going to go, and it's going to be super weird. Uh, I kind of feel like Sean O'Malley is going to play the prize fighty game, but turn it into a legacy game that makes no sense. What he's going to do?
4: If you say Dominic Cruz. If you say Dominic
2: Cruz, I'm going to be so mad. That's what he's going to do. I already beat the... You know what? There's a debate so about who right the Bantamweight... <laughs> Who the Bantamweight I Goat so is. I Good already job, be- my best friend. I already, knocked, I already knocked out one Bantamweight Goat. What happens if I knock out the other one? What happens if I knock both of these dudes out in a three-fight streak? Then I'm the greatest Bantamweight of all time. And then he can go fight Gervonta Davis and do whatever the hell he wants. But this is Sean's world. And if he wants to fight Dominic Cruz, it appears that Dominic might be fighting Davis and Figueredo. If Dominic somehow is at least competitive there, I think Sean's got the Izzy juice, man. Izzy wanted the Yoel Romero fight. Izzy got the Yoel Romero fight. And I kind of feel like Sean could get this Dominic Cruz fight if he truly wants it too. So, this Izzy is wanted the going, Strickland man. fight, and he got the Strickland fight. Yes. And Sean is a bigger star right now than Israel Adesanya is. And he's only going to be a bigger star if he beats Cheeto Vera. So, I kind of feel like this is where we're going. And then Sean's going to take some time off. And then maybe Mirab finds his way into a title fight, not for the undisputed title. But maybe he sneaks his way into an interim (laughs) title fight. But this is this is bantamweight, baby. This is where we're going. This is the direction. You think Sean might be like, "Hey, Umar, you look great. I'll kick your ass." No, he's never gonna say that. But if he's gonna go after prize fighting legacy by beating the two best bantamweights of all time, and it's gonna make no sense to anybody, but everyone's still gonna watch him. They're gonna sell that arena out. And it pains me to say this, but I kind of feel like this is where we're going. So I will say. Over one and a half. He may not defend the title again after beating Dominic Cruz, but I feel like we're going over one and a half because this is the sugar show and the sugar show is going to be really weird and obnoxious.
4: Shaheen, I'd like to lodge an HR complaining against Mike for <laughs> all of what he just said. It makes me very uncomfortable. And I don't like it.
2: But am I wrong? Am I totally I, that's wrong? That's the thing. Is I hate well, everything. I hate every H- word H-R that just gonna, came out of H-R your mouth. HR
4: is going to deliberate on, on the correctness <laughs> of your take. Jed, before I you- I just know that I feel uncomfortable right now. Hold
5: on
2: a second. I have a feeling AK is going to- might break
5: I was going to say, Jed, before you send in that complaint, Shaheen, before you pass that along I'll to HR- I'll send second
4: one out. Don't no, you no,
2: just No, no, no. Save the email or,
5: or save the paper, whatever. Add my name onto that complaint yeah! because I hate to go all friends forever. It is going to be, I do like his, his chance to beat Cheeto, not refuting oh, any of the, any of Jed's, not refuting any of Jed's breakdown. Jed explained pretty clearly why Cheeto has an excellent chance to be Sean O'Malley. But I just think, I think, uh, O'Malley will go into that. Like if he wins that fight, it'll be one of those. Wow. This shot. like O'Malley looks better than we ever, than he's ever been. This is like such a mature, a more mature O'Malley. Like he ha- he would have to be to win a fight with Cheeto. So I do think we see that I think he's peaking at the right time. His skills just keep getting better and better. So I like that for the first offense. I've also talked about the possibility of an Aljo rematch. I know there's like, up seems zero chance to happening, but if that happened, I'd probably still pick O'Malley to beat him again. I mean, he shouldn't like, for like you guys said, uh, what, what do we call this one? Two rounds. What are we calling this? Uh, uh, six, uh, six, six minutes. I don't know what you're going to call it, but um, yeah, he I don't know how he'll do better, but I've, there's a slim, slim chance that happens. I still think O'Malley finds a way to squirm out of that one, get another win. So either that or Cheeto. And then I agree some weird legacy fights can happen either. Sorry to say it, Domino Cruz or worse unranked bantamweight weight Henry Cejudo uh, is also an option. <laughs>
3: Don't <laughs> rule out TJ Dulisha either, man.
5: <laughs> he's he's resting up. He? He's had a lot of time to rest. That shoulder's probably feeling yeah. good as new these days. It, I do think legacy fight is in the cards for his next defense. But my, my real answer is really how long can he keep Umar Nurmagomedov away from him? And I think pretty you
3: know, long. Forever. I so can I'm avoid going, yeah. Umar forever. Murab uh, to, is, to me, Marab is, is a the, order, <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, the Marab
4: question is much more. But the thing nice. is, I actually think he could beat Marab. Like, I I, think, do too. I don't know that I would pick him to be Marab. I think mm-hmm. that that is a that's a fight he can win, though. I think so he too. He can win I it, don't.
3: but Marab is also not going to give him six minutes without like a real takedown effort. I
4: no, hope no, not. Yeah, he's not. not. Yeah. But I think that, that that's a fight I would be much more likely to to think that Sean can win than Umar.
5: Yeah. No, I, <laughs> like, Umar yeah, Umar is the one because if you want to talk about
4: Umar's the, the best Bantamweight in the world. If you want to
5: talk about the <laughs> McGregor <laughs> comparison, I'm if you want to realize, the, McGregor, the McGregor comparisons, we could see O'Malley's run at the top definitively end, just like it did with McGregor with dude,
4: uh, plus I mean with a with,
5: a, with a Nurmag-Omedov, uh taking him down. How about that for
4: football, Cheeto dude? plays the Diaz role? He already lost to him, but he gets the rematch. He wins a a, a fun fight that he just outpoints him barely with yeah. leg kicks. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, that's he starting might... to line up like a thing that could happen against Cheeto.
2: Dude, if Sean if Sean goes and beats Cheeto, he he might just call for Volk and just go up to forty five. What's Volk gonna say? No. Of course he's gonna say yes. It'll be the biggest fight he's ever had.
3: That's Volk's wet dream is to land that. Yes. fight.
4: I think he should do that. I, I, it it stuck out to me that O'Malley had no, wasn't even close to mentioning that uh, in his post fight presser. There was no inkling of. It was, I'm going to fight Cheeto and Davis. There was no, like, I want to get a second belt. And I don't know why that was, other than really? maybe 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 Sean O'Malley understanding <laughs> He did briefly
5: He did briefly, briefly, briefly touch upon it when he was talking about what's next for him. And then he says, he kind of brushed it off, saying something like, I don't know, but more like, you know, maybe I need to fight a few title defenses first, something, something, something. So he I did briefly, but he didn't, go after it. Yeah, he didn't go so, after like, it. He didn't go after it.
4: Like beating Cheeto and then trying to get Volk is, I think, by far his best course of action.
3: I just want it to be known that I am going to forward that HR complaint. Okay. Thank up you. the Both chain. Uh that's I respect it. I love yeah, I respect you, it. Mike Heck, and I love you, Alexander Kaylee. You're very dear friends. I hate every mm-hmm. single word that spilled out of your mouth over the past 10 minutes. <laughs> I hate it with a passion. It made
4: me feel very uncomfortable. It, it made me feel very weird
3: and very uncomfortable. And I hate that you're fucking probably right. <laughs>
4: you say more, and I'm gonna add you to that HR. Complaint. I'm with you,
3: Jed. I'm with you. Just to round out this this conversation, I I go under. I don't think he lasts two, but I also think that's maybe just because we don't even get a second one. Maybe something weird happens if he beats Cheeto, and then he just does fight a boxing fight, or he does try to go up a division. I, I could see a Conor level of stalling out coming in this division, but we, we'll see. Uh, last question for me on this one, and this probably is the most interesting question, at least in my mind, moving forward is what the hell happens to Aljamain Sterling? Because poor dude, record-setting champion, very good case for the greatest bantamweight in UFC history, definitely not ever going to get that rematch, definitely not getting an immediate rematch, and I just don't know that there's a road back to any sort of title for him as long as Sean O'Malley's the guy holding it. Feels like featherweight's the move. Mike, you're, you're shaking your head. I'm, I'm very curious. What's what's up? Do you disagree?
2: Dude, Aljamain Sterling needs to stop Focusing on Sean O'Malley. Stop calling for the rematch. You're never going to get it. His sole purpose, come Sunday morning or Saturday afternoon, he needs to go all in on the Max Holloway train. That's what he needs. Go all in on this man. Call this guy out. Make it happen. Because if there's one thing you could do to get a Max Holloway fight, it's just get the man's attention. And if Max Holloway sees any interest in it, he will just jump on the opportunity. So if you're Aljamain Sterling... Going up to 45, I'm just like, yeah, I, I, w- I want to run off a bunch of defenses. No, that's a terrible idea. You want to go in there and fight of loyev No, don't do that. You want to go fight Brian Ortega? No, don't do that. You want the shortest road to not only a, to not only a title. You beat Max Holloway, we've seen with, the, with this ha- what happens in this division. You beat Max Holloway, you get Volkanovsky's attention. What if for some reason he does beat Max Holloway? And one of two things could happen. One, he could go fight Volkanovsky. And if he somehow wins that fight, That's a check in the box. If Volk decides to just vacate and go up to 155 after fighting Ilya Teporia, Aljamain Sterling finds himself in a vacant title fight. And should he win that fight, guess who might come up and fight him again? Sean O'Malley. So if he ever wants the Sean O'Malley rematch, he's got to win the featherweight title and the best course of action for him at this point in his career, even though he's not like super old, but he's getting there go up there, challenge yourself against Max Holloway. You beat Max, you're probably fighting Volkanovski next. So I think you just go up to 45. You just take this whole dream of a rematch out of your system because it ain't going to happen unless you win the featherweight title. So go fight Max Holloway. Even if Max loses, you still go fight Max Holloway, but he's not going to lose on Saturday. That's the course of action for
3: 100 You are 100% right. I, 100, I agree with every single word that you just said, and that actually leads to me where I was going with this, which is it feels like featherweight is is the most advantageous sort of move for him forward at this point. That's not like a lateral move because you're just trying to do the bantamweight thing at this point. You're screwing with Mirab a little bit and also just like, what are you trying to reclaim? Like, right. You're already that guy. So if you just look at our featherweight rankings right now, current top 15, very quickly, Volk, Holloway, Rodriguez, Taporia, Ortega, Pitbull, Allen, Emmett, Qatar, Ivloyev, Zombie, Chikadze, Mitchell,
4: Kabilaev, and Dan Eakin. Zombie's about to bounce after this weekend. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna retire, so he'll be out.
3: But so if you just look at that 15, just skill wise, you inject Aljo into this division, just skill wise, not resume wise, anything, just talent and where you think he could who you think he could be. Where are you slotting Aljo?
4: So I want to push back on the featherweight idea in general. I think that a lot of what Mike said makes sense, and I understand where you guys are coming from. Uh, I think it it fails to take into account one extremely important piece of information, which plugs into your question here. Aljo going to get his ass beat at one forty five by a lot of these dudes. Um, I I think objectively, what Mike said is probably the path forward for for Aljo, and Max Holloway is going to hand him his rear into bite-sized pieces and (laughs) feed it to him it is like that fight won't be competitive in the least shoot your shot i guess i think that he's relatively young and it may be because for a while i was on the featherweight thing and i still think i think the the truth is he's just in the Franklin zone, baby like he's just gonna fight dudes around middling weights that are fun fights because that's who he is now as former champion if he wants to do the max thing okay once you lose to Max, is he going to stay around 145? That doesn't seem likely because. You got to give it
3: a shot. You got to give it a shot. And it, it, somebody's going to beat Max eventually, he's been in. Somebody's going to beat it gonna Max. Be Max it ain't
4: going to be Aljo. It ain't. I agree with you. I agree with you. But it's
3: going to be somebody. And Max has just been in so many wars at this point. Right. He's 31, but he's like a Rohan McDonald. thirty one. He's like look, a Jose dude, Aldo 31.
4: You're preaching to the choir. I've been saying for three years that Max Holloway is going to fall off and he just keeps not doing it. My thing is, if you want to go do it, I understand that. I am not 100% sure Max even takes the fight because he's talking about BMF titles. and I think Max feels takes a little fight.
3: That's a big fight. What else is he doing?
4: I don't know. Pursuing other things, maybe going up to lightweight, doing other things. We'll see. I'm not 100% sold he takes the fight. Maybe he does. My point being, I get the idea at 145. I think that it's ultimately capped by the fact that he is not going to have success at 145. I think 145 makes sense if he's going up and immediately shortcutting the line to Volkanovski and can have a chance at it. That's not going to happen. I think his best bet, it feels a little counterintuitive, is hang around 135 because I personally don't think we're in for a long Sean O'Malley reign. And you never know how those cards are going to shake out. And being a former champion in a weight class gives you a lot of opportunity to retire for two years and then come back and fight for a belt if you're Henry Cejudo, something like that. Maybe Cejudo ends up getting the belt in a year and a half, and he wants to run it back with Aljo. I just think he's got more opportunities at the weight class where he is clearly the best the best of his abilities, even if those opportunities aren't getting a rematch with, Al- with, with O'Malley. That's certainly not happening. I think staying at 135 probably is just his best bet but I don't think that's going to happen. I do think Mike's right. I just, I'm just so, saying. So then let me say, so hold
5: on. on, let me say, Judge, real quick. I don't, well, I don't fully support what Jed is saying. There, there's an example of a guy who got suffered a devastating knockout to a superstar and then came back and became a two-time champion. That man's name was Jose Aldo. Yeah. He just hung up. He just hung around 145, yeah,
4: won an interim belt, and A
5: little then, bit different circumstance.
3: Connor immediately. Very different, we I mean, he, he had the belt, the, he
4: got the belt like a year later But he became,
3: but he did become thing, champion.
4: The exact again. same thing can happen for Aldo at 135 mm-hmm. if Sterling gets injured uh, refuses to fight, they do an interim title and they're like, all right, well, Al Jermaine versus Cejudo too. Or like, it's, it's not cool with the Marab situation. Yeah. That's so what's the sticking.
5: That's, that's the sticking point for me is I feel like he really does want to get out of his buddy's way.
4: I think I do he can think, also yeah. just hang around and not be in the mm. way too. So I, I, if I was his thing corner, I would say, all right, maybe go fight max. When max is done, you're just back to one thirty five forever because that's that's it. I, I get the upside of Max. I just I don't know what the odds are on that fight. I'm smashing Holloway at minus fifteen hundred. He is gonna kill him, <laughs> Aljamain Sterling.
3: I I don't disagree. That fight with you, is but not
4: remotely competitive. I don't disagree with you. But also, again,
3: at some point, somebody is going to beat Max, and you who knows, right? Maybe it's, it's going a
4: dude who can but- how well, so, dude who tackles him is tackling Max Holloway an effective game plan? No, that's then, why Khabib like, was kind of a fun idea.
3: Then I'm interested for your answer here. Play out the exercise. You look at our featherweight rankings. Where would you inject Aljo in there? Just purely based on skill and who you think he could beat.
4: I mean, I think that he could beat Korean Zombie, who is faded and clinging to a top. 15 spot uh i would not pick him to beat any of the people that are current eh, i might pick him to be i'd pick him to be danny gay who's our number 15
3: <laughs> so josh emmett like josh emmett's what seven for us eight you wouldn't pay okay, i emmett. think
4: i think he could beat josh emmett i am probably picking josh emmett because the other part of Aljo's thing like and we don't talk about this probably near enough for several fighters i think it's also applicable to sean o'malley a lot of his van, like a lot of what makes his sh- work, is that he's just enormous. Like he's so much bigger. Habib, like Habib would not have been nearly as good a welterweight. I think he still could have had a lot of success at welterweight, but like he's just a massive dude compared to the dudes he's fighting. Sean O'Malley happened to be the first guy he fought who had a reach advantage and gassed him. Like it's, I I don't think. I would not pick him to beat anybody other than Dan Ige. Maybe you could talk me into Korean zombie. I think he could beat up to Josh Emmett. And I guess Pitbull. He could, and I might even pick him to beat Pitbull, but I also don't really agree with how high we have Pitbull ranked. Um, You could convince me. It wouldn't totally shock me if he beat Brian Ortega, I guess is as high as I would go. I would be pretty freaking surprised if he beat Volk Holloway, Rodriguez, or Taporia
5: yeah and I, that's, Allen. that's where i land too because again this is a very hypothetical theoretical question um i'm, I'm around the same I, I landed in the same spot when i was looking at this list i said probably a toss-up with pitbull probably a toss-up with ortega there are five and six spot and like you said jed you know mileage I say may vary. toss
4: up but i think he could win sure. that fight
5: M- mileage may vary also on having pitbull that high i think i do i know you don't um he just got just kind of where he averaged it out too but I, I, I'm OK with saying he could beat Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen's really good. I just I, I don't favor. I think favor, Arnold Allen beats the hell out of him. Oh, I would slightly favor Aljo Emmett. I would favor Aljo Cater. The, the size is a factor for sure. I think
4: Arnold Allen is going to tower over Aljamain Sterling I, if they fought. Uh, sh-
5: sure. But I think Aljo is I think he has enough skill, enough talent to overcome some of those uh, sizes. He wouldn't be a massive featherweight. You're right. He'd be like a normal size. Well, whatever normal size featherweight is supposed to be. Dan Ige. Yeah, yeah exactly or something like that <laughs> or, or a yeah, bull, even Pitbull, I mean, right? even like a giga um,
3: Chikadze, i think he'd be
5: but I, i'm yeah. okay with saying like he could land comfortably in the top seven six or seven uh if we're just gauging talent but um it is not an i easy would say path if he got top to seven
4: uh that that would be a successful run for him mm. i think that he could i would expect because he was a champion in another weight class that he should end up in the top 15 I just think that works sort of across the sport. Any champion in a previous weight class should probably be able to pull off top fifteen. I think if he finished, if he managed himself to the number seven ranking, that would be a, a great outcome for him. What do you
2: think, Mike? Yeah, I agree with that. Number six, I'd probably slot him above Pitbull because I think he can. I think he could be Brian Ortega. I don't know if I would necessarily pick him to beat Brian Ortega, but I think he could beat him. Temporia's That's the a fight of I most Temporum. want.
4: Yeah, uh, for Aljo next, that is the fight I'm the m- most interested in watching on the merits of a fight.
2: it would be man. pretty interesting, honestly. Um, I would probably I think Gaier to win. him. Maybe if Aljo gets takedowns, I don't. I mean, who knows? That's a whole different fight. And then Holloway probably wins. But again, it's not easy to tackle Max Holloway, but Aljo's really good at that when he can actually do it. And then Volk, I would pick Volk a hundred times out of a hundred. But <laughs> I don't know. paradoxically let, let,
4: i think aljo has a better chance against Volk than like holloway but it's not a good chance
2: yeah but aljo is also really good when he's spot on and he wasn't spot on on saturday or maybe he was and just he just couldn't couldn't mess with destiny that night but yeah i think he's top six at worst right now
3: couldn't mess with destiny it's a it's a brand new world feels uh it's an exciting one it's an interesting one we're gonna see how it plays out we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll just hit a couple other things on the other side
1: And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All
3: right, fellas, we are back talking UFC 292 real quick still. And let's look at the other title fight. Strongweight out there, Zhang Weili. Uh, I mean, a lot has been said about this performance. I think all you really need to say is 296 to 29, because that is one of the most absurd, striking stats that I have ever seen in my history of watching this sport. Over 25 minutes. To outland somebody by, what's the math on that? I can't even do math in my head really quickly, but almost like and, 270 strikes, more or less. Uh, that's just incredible. It's one of the most dominant performances we've ever seen in a title fight. I think it is the most lopsided striking total for, for a title fight ever. Just incredible stuff from the strawweight champ. And now we find ourselves in a really interesting place with the strawweight division, because there's two, I would say, very compelling challengers waiting for this woman. And it is is it it is unclear which direction the UFC is going to go, which direction the UFC should go, wants to go. But it's also just a very rare thing because you look at the women's pound-for-pound pound ranks, our updated pound-for-pound pound ranks that are coming out this week. I don't know that I can remember seeing something like this where the number Zhang Weili is number one for us. Her two, top two challengers are both in the top 10 pound-for-pound for, pound for the women's side. Tatiana Suarez, number eight for us now, and Yan Nan, number 10 for us right now two of the top 10 best female fighters in the entire world waiting to fight this woman i don't know guys to me this is a very interesting question and i'm, I'm still not sure where i feel like i lean i think my heart goes one way and my brain goes another but i'm curious where you guys are at Wh- what should be next here for Zhang Wei Li in this strawweight division Wh- what's the title fight that should be happening
5: next what do you want to see i feel very i feel very little conflict i want to see tatiana suarez fight for the title now Um, People who listen on to the next one know I can be a bit of a a brat, Gene. I can be a bit of a child. When I see something within reach, I just got to grab it. And I want I want that Zhang Suarez title fight. I, what really got me thinking about it was, of course, I like the, the um, Zhang versus Yan title fight as well. You you know get it in a card in China. What a historical moment!
3: One point nine billion views. Great, okay. what a big
5: money making moment for the UFC. And then it was that last part. I'm like, wait, why do I care? Why do I care that this is a money making moment for the UFC? You could go and then go down the route of it's also a big moment for the for the sport of MMA. But I've constantly said that MMA Definitely isn't a is. sport, so obviously that doesn't matter to me either. Um, I want to see Tatiana Suarez fighting for titles now and defending titles now. I feel like there's a bit of a clock with her. She's been in combat sports for a long time, pretty much her entire life. You'll got to remember anyone who comes from sort of that amateur wrestling background, there's a ton of pre-MMA wear and tear. She turns 33 by the end of this year. So again, not, old, not super old, but old in terms of like she has got a lot of fights. She's got a lot of fights under her belt with one form or another. She's had injury problems. She had uh, th- thyroid cancer, of course, before, um, uh, Before you know, when she was trying to get into the Olympics uh, 11 years ago. I-, I don't know how much longer we have Tatiana Suarez as a sport. Hopefully, another 10 years, right? Hopefully, she's fighting high-level fights for another 10 years. But in all likelihood, based on what we know on, uh, about athletes, um, when, they- when they're competing in a sport like this, and then once their bodies start to break down, hopefully, that's not where she is. I don't know how much longer we can wait. Um, so if she is healthy, if she is ready, I want that title fight to happen now. If if the Yan Nan title fight happened instead, I'd be jumping for joy. Awesome fight. Yan deserves it. But as far as who I think is the best strawweight in the world right now, not named Zhang Weili, it is Tatiana Suarez. And she would run through Yan Nan, in my opinion. I know that's not how we determine title fights. You could disqualify a lot of title contenders if you're playing that game. Um, But if you ask me what I want to see, personally want to see happen next, I want to see Tatiana Suarez uh, fight, potentially win. And then you know, going her, go her own dominant title. Not a guarantee, by the way. Zhang is an incredible champion, but I'd want to see this fight now, now,
2: right now. <laughs> I mean, look it, to me, it's it's a location thing. So if they go to China, it's going to be on. The UFC already ruined my on to the next one plans because I thought I laid it out absolutely perfectly after Tatiana Suarez just ran over Jessica Andrade. Just do Zhang versus John, and then in a Apexy fight nighty or You travel somewhere very, you know, it's kind of smaller market main event. You do Tatiana Suarez versus Mackenzie Dern in a five-round main event. Just give her that five-round experience. She probably runs over Mackenzie Dern, and if for some reason Mackenzie finds lightning in a bottle, then the woman they've been trying to push to a title shot for all these years gets her shot. So it's a win-win for the UFC. We still get the big fight between Zhang and Yan, and then the winner gets the winner of that. But obviously... I don't know who the hell's managing Jessica Andrade these days, but she's just going to keep fighting horrible stylistic matchups. And she's going to fight Mackenzie Dern at UFC 295 in New York. So don't really understand that. But now you get Tatiana in the wings, but listen, if they go to China, it's Jan. If they don't, it's Tatiana Suarez. And to me, there is no more there. there There's no more fascinating women's fight than Zhang Weili versus Tatiana Suarez. And there's a Mount Rushmore of fights. I have to see sooner rather than later. It's Zhang Weili versus Tatiana Suarez. It is just so friggin' fascinating. So yeah, this all comes down to location for me.
4: Yeah. Give me on Nan. Um You're here for the I'm China interested. versus China. I am uh, for a couple of reasons. Look, if, if, if it ended up being Tatiana Suarez, like AK said, I wouldn't I'd be fine. I, I'm, I, I do believe she is probably the best woman straw in the world right now. So I'm not going to be too perturbed by having the best woman in the world. Uh, at at worst, I think she's the second best, so I won't be too upset, but, you know, I would like there to be some level of meritocracy in this sport, and as much as I do think that Tatiana Suarez has a reasonable case for it, she has two wins this decade, and I'm not entirely certain that beating Montana De La Rosa and then beating Jessica Andrade after Yan Shao Nan ethered Andraj worse than you did, Tatiana Suarez, like, should should let her jump the line here. I uh, think from a meritocracy standpoint, you, I, I think Yan deserves it more at this point in time. It's not entirely Tatiana's fault that she was out for four years. But I also don't think you can just sort of look away from those four years gone and treat as, as if that's not real. Uh, and then straight up, like, I think the Tatiana Suarez... Um, you know, Wiley Zhang fight is meaningful and will be fun. I don't think that's going to get nearly the shine that that fight should deserve from a broader public. If you let Tatiana get one more win that maybe develops. And I think the Wiley Zhang fight is going to be incredible. Like it's going to be this momentous occasion for Chinese MMA and for women's MMA and for Chinese women's MMA and, and doing this grand event there Um and making it a, a spectacle and, and what that event deserves to be. I'm I'm interested in that. And low will pretty interested in the fight. I wouldn't have been, but Zhao Nan sending Jessica and Draj to the spirit realm. That's that buys you a lot of good graces for me because who, who's done that to her really? Like people have tackled her and tapped her. That's a real thing. But who's iced her out on the feet like that? Like just, anyone? just,
5: as yeah, as Zhang, like that's, yeah
4: exactly so like and we know that was the conversation heading into this fight with the with Mandalimos. Is jang can also get hit on the feet she is she is way too susceptible to right hands particularly fighting in space i think that fight is a little more competitive certainly than i thought it was a year ago i'm pretty interested in it so give me Anjana. Nan. I, I think for all of the ancillary reasons is makes me more interested in that right now but again if you go Tatiana I'm not going to be upset by it
2: no I, and and honestly if i had my druthers i would like to see tatiana have one more fight
4: that's give the her thing a, it, give her amanda you do this Lemos. fight in december <laughs> i just don't you trust
2: i don't trust it anymore man i just don't i like you got her amanda she will be she'll win that fight like John I just laid out the blueprint on how to beat her so just do that and that's it
4: yeah, I'm pretty confident in Tatiana's ability to beat any woman. So I'll be okay with it.
2: It's just not an issue of beating more, for run me. Run
4: it's an more. issue of health.
3: And I'm exactly where AK is, where I'm just a child. Then- I'm, a, I'm a small little boy who who sees the shiny gold thing sitting in front of him. And I want it now because I've been wanting this thing for seven years. I've been staring at this shiny gold thing for <laughs> like seven, eight years saying, oh, it's going to be so cool when I get this shiny gold thing. And it just keeps evading me because this woman can't stay healthy. And like, this is finally what? This is the first time she's competed twice. In the same year, almost ever. I mean, since the beginning of her UFC career, you just this is where I, where I say my head goes one way, my heart goes another. Because my heart badly wants this fight. I'm with you, Mike. If if there's a Mount Rushmore of fights that I want to see right now that are not booked, Suarez Zhang is on that on that Mount Rushmore. Just because I agree, I think she's the best strawweight in the world, and I want to see this play out. My head, though, I mean, we all saw Dana White's reaction when that assumedly Chinese reporter spit the 1.9 billion number at him. And Dana White, you saw that dollar sign. It's a big number, big man. Number. I don't know if you know how much a billion is, but it's 999. It's, it's more than 999 million. It's a lot.
4: It's a lot. It is hard to almost, fathom. This, he was almost, like, this was almost two of those billions.
5: Yes. He it is was like, hard he was like, to fathom. Are, that those are almost power number. slap numbers. He's like, I got <laughs> to capitalize on this. Oh, oh man, you put it on they, he should have he should have followed up. How do they feel about power slap in China? That's what he should have asked. He should have gotten so, to, to over over 2 billion power slap impressions on, on social media.
3: I think there's a very real chance the UFC goes to China before the end of the year
4: and that we're getting this. I you, think that's almost a certainty at this point.
3: Yeah. Because how can you like this would be an all-time fumble if you don't score on this moment in time when it when it's like it, this is I mean, not going to happen again. Like this is it? This is the moment to do know. it because I agree couldn't,
4: they couldn't do UFC Africa when they had three African champions, so I wouldn't <laughs> put it past them to botch this shit. But
5: they're putting uh, they're putting Grasso Shevchenko too in uh, what Velocity, in in, Vegas right T Mobile.
4: Yeah, this is T Mobile. At least it's not the Apex, but
5: yeah. yeah, it's true. It's not even it's not even pay per view.
4: <laughs> also, that does make not sense. Noche UFC. Yeah, but no, there there is like a business case for that because I know that Vegas does a, a good amount of uh, trade for Mexican independence sure. day. There, yeah, sure. Oh yeah, big boxing events yeah. in Vegas always they, do well for they like, They botch a lot of things, so it wouldn't shock me, but I think we're very very likely to get this yeah. fight in December.
5: Well, let's just let's point just again, they also had multiple Mexican champions and also had to not go to Mexico. So there's no good, none of this is guaranteed, but I do think China is, is going to
3: well, so either way, again, two very compelling challengers, both of whom are in the top 10 of our pound for pound list. I want to do the same exercise we just did with Sean O'Malley. Over under 1.5 more title defenses for Zhang. Do you think she can get past both of these women? Does anybody, I think we all are high on Tatiana Suarez.
5: Is anybody going over on this? Not me. Not me. Mike. Mike is. I, I'm going to say no as well. Mike raised his hand.
2: Tell us, I think, I I just think, I think Zhang is just on one right now. She's just, she's on one. And look, if Tatiana Suarez beat her, it would not, I would not be surprised, but I feel like this is going to be one of those situations where Zhang is, I'm not going to say she's overlooked, but I think a lot of, I think Tatiana Suarez is like, I don't know. she'll, She'll be the darling heading in like the story and everything she's gone through and the layoffs and everything. I think she will be the darling of the fight, and I think people will will do everything in their power to kind of will this mat this moment, like you said, Sheehan, you waiting seven years for, for her finally getting to a title shot. We knew she would get here. I just feel like you're gonna give if you give Yan Zhao Nan or not Yan Zha, Zhang Wei Li and her team and all the different coaches she has all this time to prepare for Tatiana Suarez. I think she's going to win, man. Like, I don't know if anybody's going to beat Zhang Wei Li in the next two years. I really don't. I really don't. She, I just think she's that good. Now, if this fight happens again, somehow Tatiana gets back and Zhang's like, you know what? I'll give you another chance two years from now. Maybe it's Tatiana. I know she's a little bit older, but I just think Zhang is, I just think she's that good, man. It's going to take something special, a special, perfect performance to beat her. And as good as Tatiana Suarez is, and she's, really friggin' good i don't know if she could pitch a perfect game against john against zhang weili and that's the only way you're gonna beat her right now
5: if zhang pulled that off if she added suarez and yon to her resume that would be i mean i think i don't know if she's already top five women's pound for pound all time but she would be soaring towards like the top three because it'd be those two names plus carlos barza Joanna twice jessica andrage and then before that, some good wins: Tisha Torres, Jessica oh, yeah. Aguilar. I probably think is a meaningful loss has win. Been
4: Rose is relevant.
5: That's that's the big one. That's the one name she's missing. One right? Woman she had been had, able one able
4: woman to... has beaten her in her career. Yeah, that moves you very high up that yeah.
5: list. Uh, Jessica Aguilar was probably not a meaningful name by the time they fought, but I think people forget how really. good Jessica Aguilar was once upon a time. It that's was still like a one hell of hell
3: the top. Me if you can add those, yeah, players. it was one of the
5: best fighters in the world. Uh, so I mean, she's she's getting up there. She got past those two. I don't know who she'd add on next, but that that'd be incredible. That'd be incredible
4: yeah i just disagree with mike i think tatiana runs her i agree we'll see. That's where i but we'll i mean speak. i could be wrong but uh i would not call Rose munis a terrific offensive wrestler and she took you uh jong down a lot and i know that there's more time in prep but uh
2: your I also i think i, I
4: just, a lot since that fight here, i thought won, sure. too For being on i did think she won the fight it, it's not about winning the fight it's just If Rose is going to take you down, I don't care how much better you've got at it. You're going to need to be exponentially better at that against Tatiana freaking Suarez. And I just don't think that that's... I have not seen enough to be confident in that. Um, When when the time comes, they will fight. We're going to get it.
3: Well, let's move on because we have one other quick thing to note from UFC 292. The welterweights. We finally have a little bit more movement here in the welterweight division. Ian Machado-Gary... Spectacular performance. Most impressive performance of his young career by far over Neil Magny. He now debuts for us at number 12 in the world in the welterweight rankings. It feels like almost he's overtaken. You correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like he's almost like overtaken the lead horse status from Jackie Three Names, Jack Della Maddalena, for like the up-and-coming welterweight who we are just all high on who's going to be that title threat in one to two years. So just I wonder for you guys, you looking outside our top five, which right now for our purposes is Leon Edwards, Kamar Usman, Bala Muhammad, Shafkat, and Gilbert Burns. Of every other name outside of that top five, including Gary, including JDM, all these guys. Two-part question. Who gets to the welterweight title shot first? And who's the first one to actually win the belt? So you got Gary, Madalena, Sean Brady, Kevin
4: Holland, whoever else you want to throw in there. Gary gets to it first. Gary wins the belt. I've staking. You're my all runner. in. You're all in. I think he's the best prospect of welterweight. Um, I probably felt that way before Jackie Three Names' his most recent fight. It was it was certainly much more of a question. Um, but watching Jack Della Madalena make a series of horrific fight decisions and then still pull off a win, um cools me on him. Uh yeah, I think he can younger than JDM. Not hundred percent certain on that. Uh yeah, I think this dude is is the next guy um i think shavkat is is the next champion uh who will maybe have a couple of defenses but uh i think 2025 is my prediction for the shavkat versus ian gary welterweight title fight i don't know if gary wins that one but uh he's still only 26 i think that he will fight for the title at least twice in his career and i think one of these times he's going to get it um Particularly if you believe what he says, he says that he's like the best grappler that's ever existed. <laughs> I'm not certain that that's true, but his post fight presser he was all like, "I'm gonna go win a no gi world title because whatever y'all don't even know how good I am on the ground." Uh, if that's true, then he's the next GSP. I don't think that that is probably true, but I think I love what I've seen from him. I love his work ethic, everything. I, I'm I'm all in, I'm all in on him as as the next guy to hold this belt for at least a few stra- uh, at least a few fights when he does get it
3: well no one no one is bigger on ian gary than ian gary i think that's certainly yes. true he, oh. he he loves and himself to me as gary. it should be
5: yeah guys I, it's, it's I, what love you gotta
4: yourself, do yourself homies
5: I, I don't know if you're familiar with the. i mean i'm sure you're familiar with the saying if you say it you are it you know if that's i think we all agree that that's how this game works that's how, how i, how I live my life yeah if it you, you say it, you are it so <laughs> image out gary i mean clearly again future uh, adcc uh open weight champion um uh, I'm glad you mentioned Shavkat, yet, because we do want to tell people. I'm sure people for a second like, "Whoa, what?" Shavkat's kind of past the prospect, like rising. Cont- he's just a guy who we think is one fight away from getting it. Like he's he's almost number a block. four. So what in the world? He's, he's like not the part best of this discussion. Yeah. in the
4: world? They just yeah. won't let him fight. For yeah, the yeah. Belt. <laughs> He's not
5: part of this discussion. We're talking about uh, uh, oh, sheheen said outside the top five, right? So uh, Shavkat's obviously getting it for all these guys. Um, I. That's, I'm so I'm such a victim of recency bias as people know. So I guess just to play devil's advocate, I got a weird feeling. Kevin Holland's going to sneak in there somehow. Um, he's I I, I uh, guess well, he's toy? also yeah I Will guess he's wrestle? just. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and i don't want him running into ian machado gary obviously because clearly ian machado gary is going to take him down and just submit him in like you know 45 seconds based on uh what the future has had to say about it but
4: oh, that, that, I, top, that top seven I, is a lot of dudes oh, who me. can he's, tackle you trust me,
5: he's skipping names to get there he's skip, this is a this is a sean o'malley he needs to get one weird decision win over a name like a Bilal Muhammad, maybe I don't know. Be right, Bulah Muhammad probably can just take him. I say well.
4: Bilal Muhammad, famous but, for never tackling people and sitting uh, on them.
5: <laughs> hey, I'm just saying weirder things. Weirder things that happen. I think he has some currency from his middleweight run. I think the UFC likes him clearly because of the whole "I'll fight anytime, anywhere." Actually, living up to it. He's a known commodity to the fans. He talks a lot, and I, I don't. I won't say he's great on the mic. He talks a lot that is that is for sure he has a lot to say and every now and then gets a good like viral clip and that's what you need in this business to be considered good on the mic apparently so uh this is really just to play devil's advocate and just to throw another interesting name out there i i wanted to throw in like michael morales i love that kid i think he's going to be a potentially future champion but he's very far away from from a title fight but i i love what i i just want to make sure he's his name somewhere in people's minds but he's probably even outside the top Twenty-five right now.
2: Dep- depending how aggressive you are with your rankings, probably outside the top twenty-five. Um I mean yeah, Dana White like clearly knows who Michael Morales is. I don't know if you watched the post fight press conference.
4: What do you say? So funny it's the funniest thing that's happened in a press I miss this. forever. The, ec- a the dude data, who's the dude who's Ecuadorian or whatever uh, yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. Hey, uh what what's going on with Michael Morales? And Dana just like looks at him. <laughs> It's like you know, the, you know this one. I need to leave when I'm starting to get these sorts of questions. Yeah, like, it's made all the better because Cheeto fought on the card, and the Ecuadorian dude didn't ask about Cheeto. <laughs> asked about Michael Morales. It was insane. I loved it so much.
2: Uh, respect, respect. To me, this is this is going to be a hot take, ladies and gentlemen. Because oh,
3: I might be there with you, though. Let's see
2: if Col- if Colby Covington beats Leon Edwards. Ian Gary's getting a title shot for Shafkot is sorry. That's just the way that it works. That's just the way that it works because Colby is going to do everything in his power to not fight Shafkot because he doesn't see money in Shafkot. He will eventually see money in Ian Gary because Ian can talk and they will have a press conference and those two will go back and forth and it'll get uncomfortable. It's just the type of thing that'll cross over into a casual audience. So Ian Machado Gary is going to fight Wonder Boy next. They're going to, Even if the UFC has to pay Wonderboy the 291 money just to get him in the cage with Ian Gary, they will do it because Ian will beat Wonderboy and then he's one win away and they will be very, very careful with how they book him after that. I know Ian's like, oh, four wins and I'm getting to a title fight. If he beats Wonderboy, if he beats him convincingly and they might just throw him in a title fight. Like if Colby wins the belt and Colby wants to fight Ian Gary, which would be smart on his part, to try to get Ian now before he gets r- really up there. I would not be surprised if Ian Gary gets the title shot before Shafkot. This is obviously Damn. contingent on if Colby wins because if Leon wins. I don't think the UFC really gives two shits and an F what Leon Edwards <laughs> wants to do, but clearly with Colby, they care about what Colby thinks and what he wants because they've been, he's had this title shot for since March, just because he stepped on the scale and whether people think he deserves it or not, Colby is in the UFC's ear and they like him just like Ian Gary. If you ask Dana about Shafkot right now, he would have some nice things to say about him, but he would talk for eight more, eight extra minutes about Ian Gary. And that's a very good thing to have on your side is Dana putting you over in every single interview he does. So I love this take. Yeah. I love this take. I, I, I think Gary clearly is going to get a title shot first and he might get it before Shafkot. Like, there is a real world where he gets it before Shafgat does. And it's, wow, he he might get a title shot before Bilal freaking Muhammad gets one. And that wouldn't be surprising either at this point in both of their careers. Bilal Muhammad getting a title
5: shot would be the most surprising thing at this point. Ever getting a title shot. Uh, (laughs) If you don't think Colby Compton doesn't already, after Saturday, or even before, maybe before, after the last Ian machado Gary fight, have a, like, have people helping him write a promo about uh, Ian machado Gary taking his wife's name you are a fool. He is. He has that ready. Oh, that's in the, the angle. In the that's cannon. 100% he, the angle. He, It will take him less than two seconds at the press conference for him to bring that. And by the way, for anyone out there hating on Ian Machado Gary for that. And there's plenty of things to not like about Ian Machado, Gary. The taking his wife's name thing. It's for the children, for God's sake. Let's see so many people coming after him. It's for the kid. He did it for the kids. I mean, we're also, going after guy do for care? doing it for his kids. Like, also, I know. Also, and, also Machado
3: is like a really legendary name within the combat sports space. Uh, I like if you can add that. Gary. If you can add that to your sure. name, you add it to your name. Oh, you it definitely simply do it.
4: doesn't affect your lives. Why would you
5: possibly? But, give a shit? but that is that is the first. You thing. can say that well, about anything, yeah. Jed. Yeah, I know. I, never I agree. But wait till I just... Colby. Wait till Colby pounces on it, and any Jamoke out there who wasn't aware of it will suddenly be doing all these memes. And I'm just like, oh, Mike, why oh, yeah. would you even speak into Probably. existence?
2: Colby, Colby will try yeah. for Connor, and if he doesn't get Connor, he will focus all of his attention on Ian Gary. One thousand.
4: You know what this makes it. me sad about? Really, all of this. Two years ago, this was supposed to be Hamzat's division, and now we're just here in this mess. He should be the dude, and now look at us. He's not Ian even ranked
3: Gary. at Welterweight for us anymore. Everyone I took know, him out. out. Just a shame. Everyone took him out. Just I, same. I have to say, I, I'm not surprised on one respect that I do believe Ian Gary will get to this title shot first. Of all these guys that we're talking about, he has the cleanest path, he's the best talker, he is the guy that the UFC is obviously the most high on, at some point he's going to go to Ireland and that's going to be a spectacular show for the UFC. And like, it's it's just going to be a big thing. The second part of this question though, I am surprised that we have all just dropped Jackie three names just out of existence after one very bizarre performance against a very short notice decent fighter who like after a very weird week where he was supposed to fight multiple times and just didn't end up and like stayed in Vegas. And just the whole thing around that fight was weird and everything before it seems to have been forgotten. All the spectacular knockouts, all the performances, all the first-round finishes, just out the window because of that one fight. I still think that guy's a champ, man. He's 26 years old. I still think that guy's going to end up doing it. I, that's That seemed to me like the he's not Habib, but that seemed like the habib gleason Tabout type of thing. We're like, hey, yeah, you, you had a, you know, a
4: difficult fight against a decent guy on the way up. It's not a big deal. The issue... My issue is that he didn't lose that fight because Basil ha- or like have those issues because Basil Hafiz is like uniquely well able to combat his particular skill set. He just did the dumbest thing possible over and over again, and that is a much more concerning trait for for him moving forward, like he cut weight twice in right. two weeks, he was probably out of his mind. I don't know. Does that does it jack your fight IQ out of existence? I think like, it definitely was,
3: affects your mental game. Just experiencing the whole weird two weeks that he had. I don't know, but when your corner
4: is specifically being like, "Dude, stop! Stop jumping on guillotines! You fucking <laughs> lunatic! Just punch this dude in the body. He is falling over like you are killing him mm-hmm. like that." That's it. And I it's not like I dropped him out of my rankings. He's still 26. I still think he probably ends up fighting for a title. And if you fight for a title, you can win a title. That's how it works. But I am the the fight IQ is so much stronger on Ian Machado Gary than at least in their most recent fights. One of them showed me exceptional fight IQ, and the other showed me some of the worst fight IQ in a winning fighter I've seen in some time. So it it has cooled me on being like. JDM to the moon. This man cannot be stopped.
5: Can I, can I give a little insight? I, I give him a mulligan. Hold on. I give him a can I give a, last one. can I give a little insight? Jed, you disliked that performance so much uh, that despite the fact that two people... Uh, you dropped him two spots out of your top 10 yeah. uh, behind Stephen Thompson and Jeff Neal, who are both scheduled to fight this past month and didn't. And yeah. they still... Go
4: high. I think, I think that's I'm, how much you hated, you hated that performance that much. I'm comfortable docking you two points for, <laughs> for repeatedly trying to won. lose a fight. But he tried to lose. <laughs>
5: Which is almost worse. Which it's is almost way worse,
4: worse to try to lose. Like, I would probably, I mean, I still would have docked him if Basil had beaten him or whatever. <laughs> but like, it, the fight IQ is just such a critical part of fighting. And he, maybe, hopefully, you're right, Gene, and he gets them all again and he never does something. Maybe this is where he learns. I should probably not jump that Gary so much, but I, (laughs) that was a a very disheartening as a man who bet on him. I was very concerned. Oh, that's that's what moving forward. Uh, Now we see the real man. I know that Ian Machado Gary studies a shit ton of tape. He is always doing the appropriate things, even when he probably should have put the pedal to the metal against Neil Magny and buried him. He was still like, "Hey, remember that time I almost got gassed up in a fight that I ended up winning by a million? I should let's be responsible here. Let's not have our GSP moment." And uh, I respect that about his game.
2: And to well, be fair, on my end, I've never had i I've been high on JDM, but he's not a guy that I looked at like Hamza, like Shafkat, like others, and was like, "This dude's gonna fight for a title." I have not been there on him yet. In fact, if you go listen to the UFC 290 preview show before the Josiah Harrell fight was taken off the books were, for yeah, just awful reasons, in on I Harrell. told you I, was, I wasn't picking Josiah, but I had a feeling based on Josiah's style that he could give JDM fits. And I actually would have picked Sean Brady if he fought Jack Dettel and Maddalena for those exact same reasons. So you learned a lot, and I think he's going to take a lot away from this. I am very interested to see this fight with Kevin Holland on September 16th. How is he going to fare? Can he avoid some of those mistakes? If he goes out there and melts Kevin Holland, like just batters him, then I, I, I'm back to where I was, which is probably still not. Yeah. This dude's definitely fighting for a title because I am concerned what happened. I don't think he's going to get the same push that a Gary's going to get or some of these other guys that the UFC's really trying to push and get into these big spots. I just don't know if it's quite there because he's very popular in Australia and people like him and they, they see a high ceiling with him. I just don't know if he's a star like Gary is or like even Shafcott's not getting like a big, huge promotional push. Even though the fans want it, Gary's going to get it. And that's why, that's why this whole thing, and he's just getting better. This dude is just getting better. He's training with Oliveira's team. He's going to different places to learn his craft better. Just pieces of his game, trying to improve it week after week after week and i don't know if jdm's doing like exactly the same thing i don't know if he's putting in the grunt work like ian is so he's good i just don't i don't know if I'm, i was right re- i don't think i've ever anointed him as like this guy's definitely fighting for a title just yet
4: and jdm isn't the best grappler in the world too so it all comes factor back. that in. It yeah factor in being the best say grappler it be it say it be it <laughs>
3: All right, well, we're at like an hour and a half already, so let's go ahead and wrap with what we like to wrap with on this show. We're going to pour one out, celebrate the new names coming into the rankings, and maybe pay some respects to, to some names leaving. And this week, or I'm sorry, this month, not many departures, really. Uh, another short ranking cycle. Really, we only had a few events, a few fights of consequences. So we have one each. Uh, and for what our poor one out this month, this one hurts my heart. Because I've been standing this man for like a year and I've been alone on this island and now he's gone. Lorenz Larkin, my favorite, my favorite Bellator Welterweight, drops out of Welterweight after a loss to Andre Koreshkov. Question to all three of you. Did you know this fight
5: happened or
4: was happening?
5: Not until I had to do the rankings.
4: (laughs) Really? You guys weren't paying attention to that? There's Bellator v Ryzen. Those are like Uh fun cards. He was that's also on the
3: same eye. night as the UFC paper. fight.
4: This wasn't, yes. I guess that's true, but it happened afterwards because it was late. It was yeah, like five um, This fight wasn't all that fun, but and it's, you know, it's very Andre Koreshkov to ruin somebody's good time while not being interesting yourself. It's, it's, it's <laughs> that's the Andrei Koreshkov was story. A,
5: and that was a rematch. That was Lorenz Larkin won the first fight by Splitty, by Splitty. Back, so back, back in the day. So they're one and one. Really, you could have not We're now going to get
4: him. another one.
5: <laughs> good the trilogy right. been waiting waiting for me. Go. <laughs> but yeah L- L- Lorenz did the old Grandpa Simpson he was in he was out and then uh nice to see you nice to see you Lawrence
3: I tried so hard to fight for you Lorenz this is and this is what you, you do to me I have been I've been getting shamed on these shows and in our slack rooms yeah. for like months and then this is
5: how this happens and based on this result you got what you deserved I got so. what I deserved I, I got what it I worked out
3: uh and then lastly welcome back a man who we wish farewell to not too long ago and I think when we talked about it Pretty much everyone, with the exception of maybe one person, was like, "Yeah, this is probably the end of it. Welcome back, Derek Lewis, the Black Beast. He's back. He reclaims the number 14 heavyweight spot after that 33-second finish of Marcos Rogério Lima, which at this point feels like it was three years ago. Uh, and just a tremendous showing that he had all of it, taking the pants off again. Just what a, what a man that, that Derek Lewis is. Back in it, fellas. The Black Beast is here to stay.
5: We are too harsh. And I feel like we did a whole episode topic. Is this the last we see of Derek Lewis in the rankings? I, I'm I'm pretty sure after the last loss, that was one of the three uh, topics we touched upon. I And I was, I think I was firmly, you won't see him ranked again. So Derek Lewis proved me wrong big time.
4: He so got an important it. W and like he would not be ranked for me, but for the fact that um we have been forced to remove Francis Ngannou. So a space opened up and. Why not go with
2: him? Uh, that is true. Yes, correct. Yeah, and good thing there's no rankings for best free agents because he would not be ranked on that list.
4: It's the worst free <laughs> agent of all time. Bungled
2: it. Such a terrible, terrible free agency. It's the,
4: worst, it's the worst thing I've ever seen in this
3: sport. I hope he got just such an exceptional bag from the UFC because it better. It's not going to cover the two million dollars he would have made to make to box Francis or not box but fight Francis and got
4: Plus, I would have given him a 100 of my own dollars to join BKFC afterwards. So, I mean, really, he's missing out on a lot of money.
3: There was a beautiful world ahead, and we, we just didn't get it. Just didn't get it. But I was going to have to fight Parker Porta and oof, I feel bad for him. My heart hurts for that. I mean, you, you don't... What Parker Porter is going to do to that man? <laughs> it's just... Bleed, it's on, on him? It's <laughs> bleed on him not <laughs> how dare you disrespect the goat uh and let's end on that this has been another episode of the MMA fighting ranking show we love you guys as always that man is Alexander K Lee welcome to the sugar show topical you did it AK. good job <laughs> For Mike Heck, Jed Mishu, we got another fun stretch coming in. I think just like a UFC pay-per-view of what, like two, three weeks? Like how We don't even have a long time here, right? Before
4: Australia? And what a pay-per-view it is.
2: All 10 of those fights, really.
4: <laughs> when Sean when Strickland wins, it's going to be the best. Oh, God. Oh God. It's going to oh be God. the best. <laughs> I'm so oh. close to talking myself into it. I am almost Are you there. In?
3: Are you in on this?
4: I'm, I'm almost there. I'm gonna I'm Give gonna me start in two weeks and we can we can maybe make it happen. I'm trying real hard to talk myself into it.
3: I'm just gonna start slacking you random Sean Strickland facts. I'm gonna just nudge you. I'm I don't gonna nudge know you across this line.
4: <laughs> <laughs> It's going to help or hurt. I don't know what Sean Strickland (laughs) facts make him come across better, but uh, he could try
3: stats, you know, fun facts, stats, throw in some some topical life stuff. We'll see. Uh, In the meantime, we love all you guys. Keep it tuned to the MMA Fighting podcast network. Great network. Uh, And we'll see you next time.